The information presented is in no way to be considered as a standard of care, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. The information is provided with no guarantee. All content is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the providing of medical, legal, or regulatory advice. Good morning. Welcome to this edition of Blue Crew Medicine. Uh, I'm joined here today with Cheyenne King, one of our air care flight nurses, and Shalotta Sharp, who is a forensic nurse with the Special Projects Coordinator for the Mississippi Coalition Against Sexual Assault. That's correct. You got it right? Okay. You did. Good. Um, so today we're going to talk about strangulation. It's a little bit different topic than we normally go to, uh, but super interesting, especially the stuff I Googled before we had this. Um, so right into it with the definition. So definition of strangulation is a condition in which the blood supply and or airway is reduced or cut off as a result of compression of the blood vessels. Is that's, that the, that's correct. Or pressure around the neck. Pressure around the neck. Anyway. Yeah. So something, again, that's just the generic definition, but it can manifest in different ways. You can be strangled by, I've seen it, log chains or belts or simply hands, any different way. You, right. A lot of different ways around the world. Right. Um, so let's get right into it. So one of the biggest challenges, um, that I didn't appreciate was that this can be an underwhelming traumatic injury because they're not bruised. There's not this big swelling. There's not, they're not hoarse. They're not all the things that we think of when we think of strangulation or somebody having pressure on their airway. Um, but apparently you can have some pretty bad outcomes. That's correct. So the the problem with strangulation and a lot of the general public will call it choking and that's their term for it. Um, and choking is obstruction of the airway with a foreign object such as food or some other object. But with strangulation, it's an implication where you've got the vessels, the blood supply that feeds the structures above the neck, but you also could be impeding getting oxygen into the lungs. So people don't realize that when you partially or completely occlude the vessels mm-hmm. that feed the structures above the neck, which is the brain, obviously, and the other structures, that there's a high potential for lethality. And you're right. There aren't a lot of outward signs mm-hmm. as a result of that. Um, and also, it can be that you prevent the person from getting air in the lungs. So it can be from pressure to the neck. It could be pressure from the chest. If you have someone or something mm. sitting on the chest and the lungs can't expand. Yeah. So all of that can be included with strangulation. And I guess it just didn't, and I don't know about you, Will, it's not something that I appreciated. You you get somebody that comes into the emergency room, they tell you they've, usually they use the term choke, just like you said, and you don't see anything. And so you're just like, okay, I mean, I had no idea that it could be bad. Um, so what I want to try to do is let's go from EMS, from law enforcement, because that's we kind of want to talk to them to to EMS, to the hospital, to potentially what we would see later and then to that delayed, right, delayed presentation. So let's just say law enforcement goes, there's a domestic, somebody says they've been choked, probably using that word. You know, what's something that they need to look for, questions they need to ask? Right. So the first thing is, what do they see? You know, and when I, I say, what do they see? I'm talking about a victim or, you know, more our term medical is, mm-hmm. is patient. But what does that victim present? Um, are they holding their neck? Are they acting agitated? Are they acting almost in a psychotic presentation? And kind of consider that this could be a head injury, you know, a hypoxic brain injury. Yeah. 
So what do you see with those patient populations? You see them kind of coming out of that and they can be agitated, irritated, uh, grumpy, you know, for lack of the word, I'm trying to avoid saying. Uh, But they can be all of those presentations. Also, what are they doing? Are they steadying themselves because their balance is off? Are they, um, you know, holding their neck? Are they Mm -hmm. rubbing their neck? How does their voice sound? And then you, what we encourage law enforcement to do is ask about what the victim experienced. You know, what did they experience during the event, Mm -hmm. which is my term for the strangulation? What were they thinking during that event? What were their sensations during their event, that event? Consider all the senses. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you want to ask them if they lost consciousness. And also what they remember after that event, asking signs and uh, symptoms as well, looking for signs and asking about symptoms as well. So I never even thought about relating it to an anoxic type because I know we both. Most of our stuff is, uh, it seems like you include your carotids or something like that and you get the lack of blood flow and they have the stroke-like symptoms afterwards. Right. I've had a couple that were anoxic, but it was like, truly failed suicide attempts usually the i had one mm-hmm. several years ago it was a guy used a five gallon bucket and a log chain off a really short tree was never going to work for him but he did make himself anoxic from it and had the similar kind of looking back on it now after we kind of sit here and talk about it and right i'm like that's strangulation injury that's what that was exactly but i wouldn't even pick up on agitation that would more be okay this just happened to to this person they probably are going to be agitated. Right. And then are they going to be honest with law enforcement? Well, there is that. Um, and, and I think it really depends on what that relationship looks like yeah. with law enforcement and the victim. Um, obviously, and we go into the academies, and I've, I've learned a lot from going into the investigator academies. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, let's just say, a domestic violence situation is you definitely want to separate the parties and when you can get that victim away or, you know, and I, I know that at, at the scene you're trying to assess what is mm-hmm. victim, what is perpetrator. But if you can separate the two parties and the person that you suspect may be a victim of strangulation, you want to ask them these questions. Um, one of the things that is kind of neat, and I can send this article out, it's, you know, think about assessing the 10 cranial nerves. Um, and we actually have an article that a nurse created using a stick of gum to assess the cranial nerves. Uh, and she, you know, takes the corner of the gum and rubs it along the face for sensation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're assessing the smell, the taste, the, the um, flexibility of the hands. You know, are they mm-hmm. agile? Can they use their hands? Can they hear the gum? So it's a kind of a way of assessing those 10 cranial nerves and the impact on those structures. Yeah. Um, but obviously I can see where law enforcement's like, lady, I don't have time to <laughs> carry gum and, <laughs> and do that. Say, is there a specific brand? Do we need to like keep big red in the aircraft now? Is something? If they still make stick in the tin they, they got them. Yeah. Right? It's hard to come by. Yeah. So saying flight suit is going to get kind of sweaty, a little moist. But, you know, yeah, it, it, looks, it might not smell very good. Yeah. But if you can just uh, kind of keep that in mind, the article is, is more of a reference. I think nurses in a, in a controlled, maybe emergency room environment, yeah. they might have more time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want law enforcement to be aware that you want to be paying attention to everything about this person. And we can provide a flow sheet. And again, I know law enforcement at the scene, they've got 
18,000 other things going on and their safety as well. Um, but if they can just kind of get familiar with some of the signs and symptoms, uh, just that it's kind of repetitive. The more you do, the more comfortable mm-hmm. you get with yeah. it. But we definitely want them to pay attention. The key questions that we would like for law enforcement to ask is, did you go unconscious mm-hmm. or did you almost pass out? Um, and what I like to say to patients um, and, and tell nurses to ask patients and, and EMS and law enforcement is tell me what your vision was like during this event. Because some people don't say, oh, well, I completely passed out. But they'll say, I saw stars. Yep. It was getting Got darker. blurry. Yeah. 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 And you know you're on the edge of being passed, you know, passing out or, or being unconscious. Um, what about, t- tell me about your hearing. Mm-hmm. Because at that verge of becoming unconscious, yeah. it kind of gets muffled. Yep. Um, victims have said, like I was underwater. Yeah. So yep. that can be a good indicator. Hey, this person something really traumatic was happening or they said i remember this and the next thing i know i wake I up on the floor that. um so that's important now does it have to be um the severity isn't always the same as to what happened to them versus the injuries they sustained right so that's correct yeah okay. and and just like every other injury that someone receives from mm-hmm. a traumatic event everybody responds differently right. and everybody heals differently um, and I give the illustration of, you know, I, the, you know, strangulation impacts so many things. It can also impact uh, the, the cardiac rhythm mm-hmm. uh, because of where we know the electrical conductivity right. runs yeah. for the heart and the, and the vagal nerve. Um, so if you have a person that's walking around with a cardiac arrhythmia and they don't know it, yeah. hands-on strangulation can result in an immediate or delayed fatality. Yeah. You know, that's a theory that we have. Does it? This is kind of going down a rabbit hole, but what if you had one pre-existing, like say it was AFib, or you didn't have one pre-existing? Is that something like, hey, this is new onset AFib that could be, I get it, typically, typically anoxic injuries, whether it's whether are going to be ventricular arrhythmias, but could it be atrial as well? It yeah. could, yeah, and we don't because we don't have people that run into the medical facility every time. Right, we're basing this on what we know about medicine, anatomy, and physiology, mm-hmm. and theories that we have. If you put pressure or impact that area, what can be an adverse reaction to that or an adverse response to that. So it's theories that we have, but we're starting as we train more on this and we have more people forensically trained and doing better assessments, we're getting more information that mm-hmm. are like, yep, that's what we theorize. You can get better data that you know is Absolutely. controlled and better. All right, yeah. look, this is the process that went through. It didn't went straight from that interview process. Yeah. So how likely, so law enforcement's there, how likely is the victim to most of the time go ahead and seek that medical treatment? Very rare uh, because they'll downplay it. And yeah. I think the media has a lot to do with that. Yeah. If you watch, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to call out specific shows, you know what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you watch those shows, a victim of strangulation has significant physical signs. Right. All yeah. of these oh, yeah. injuries <laughs> yeah. that you can see. You can and see they, a clear handprint. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they die, not. you know, mm-hmm. and law enforcement shows up and you know, squirts some solution like Windex on the body Mm -hmm. and has an identifier right away. (laughs) That's not the case. So people will downplay it. Also, with perpetrator with with perpetrator behavior, this is an escalation in violence. Mm-hmm. 
So this is, is part of domestic violence and what we see in the cycle of violence, the circle yeah. of violence. So it's an escalation, the honeymoon phase, mm-hmm. and it's just this continual cycle. Yeah. So also victims are like, well, I don't want to get this guy in trouble. I right. didn't die. Or it right. wasn't that bad. Yeah. What the perpetrator's doing is saying, I can take you closer and closer yeah. to just the point keep of keep on death. pushing it one more little Yeah, way. yeah. Yeah, which is so law enforcement, when do they, you know, knowing those questions, knowing how to identify somebody probably needs medical treatment, but what do they have that they can charge somebody with that does this? So now uh, strangulation is a felony in Mississippi. Um, previously, awesome. and I'm, I'm saying previously, I want to say, and, and don't quote me on this, but it was about two, 2010, 2012, and in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it was a misdemeanor. It was part of misdemeanor domestic violence. And now it is falls under the aggravated assault and felony. So it is a felony. So what pushed it over? The potential for lethality. Okay. What we were that, learning that nationally. Delay, that delay of, hey, it may be fine right now, and then two days later they show up. Right. The ER half dead. Yeah. Dead. The... Um, the Strangulation Institute that's based out of San Diego, California, mm-hmm. um, myself, um, Paula Broom, who at the time was with the uh, Mississippi Attorney General's office, we went there as a team uh, to learn more about this. Mm-hmm. And um, I think his name is Stacy. Oh, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce his name. But if you go to Strangulation Institute, San yeah. Diego, all of the staff pop up. But they started, they were learning that they were missing strangulation mm-hmm. cases when these victims would turn up as fatalities. And then they would look at the history and there had been complaints and uh-huh. it was always a misdemeanor, yet the same crime they were charging as a misdemeanor caused the fatality. So that was the basis for their educational foundation to, to try to educate more about that. And uh, the International Association of Forensic Nurses, they have really gotten uh, more versed in this and provide a lot of education Good. about uh, strangulation. And, of course, it's more towards forensic nurses, but yeah. we include that education to pre-hospital care as well. How many patients do you, or victims do you think we miss? Probably about 80%, I would say. Yeah, just because you don't know what you don't know. Um, And if you're not forensically trained to know how to assess that patient, ask those questions, look for those signs, then you're going to miss it. Well, and if they, if they, if this is the same person that's been doing this to them, they're going to downplay everything. And I'm sure to say, okay, I'm alive. Exactly. So exactly. that's good. I'm good with it. I live through it. Yeah. We'll move on. And they'll, they'll, for lack of a better word, they'll be ashamed yeah, of some I of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, All the when, attention that they're getting from outside of their relationship exactly. in the first place. Exactly. Or question if anybody's going to believe them. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, who's going to believe me? Right. I don't have marks, just like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, one of the, the signs we see is incontinence of urine and or stool. Um, rapid onset seizure that is rapidly resolved. And when we think seizure in the medical community, we think, okay, this is a seizure disorder. Mm-hmm. You get the aura, you've got a, a sustained seizure and then a postictal state. Yeah. You don't see that in strangulation. You, and I've got plenty of video and where you see hands on, you know, within seconds, the patient's experiencing or the victim seizure activity, hands off, and then recovery from the seizure activity. That's crazy. And one of the things that victims won't tell us is that they urinated on themselves. That's embarrassing. Um, So that is a specific question that we train pre-hospital providers and hospital providers to ask that question. I mean, I would have a hard time saying that. Right. You know, maybe I'm, I'm 
you know, medical, so I hope not, but that that's not something people want to tell you. Exactly, exactly. So once EMS gets there, you know, hopefully law enforcement have asked the questions that you talked about, and if you don't mind, we may share... Can we attach? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, so can, we'll, we can add it in the description of the podcast and everything. So we can talk about the flow sheets and then an article you talk about. Yeah. I might take that and use that in my everyday practice anyway. But <laughs> yeah, um, just because I like carrying gum. But yeah, we can add everything in there as the flow sheets or whatever. So yeah. we'll we'll add that so they can see. So EMS gets there. Let's say law enforcement has done that. I know that's got to be helpful to EMS. But um any change in their vital signs so beyond what we already talked about what would ems kind of look for well you want ems to do the same assessment you want to get the the patient away from the scene if you can you want to ask those questions Mm -hmm. about what their experiences were what and their symptoms are ems might understand those answers a little better than law enforcement and you want ems to really look closely at the body and places that we never think of looking for petechiae is in the ear think about where the capillaries yeah. are yeah. in the ears, in the mouth, on the lips. Yeah, I would mucous not membrane tissue. Think about that. Um, <laughs> inside the nose. Um, and, and when you look at the eyes, if I were just looking straight at your eyes, I'm going to see what white is exposed. Mm-hmm. Well, what about a full assessment of the sclera? You know, asking the patient uh-huh. to look up, look down, left and right, like you would do a full right. assessment. Um, and you want to look in the scalp. Uh, you want to listen to the heart, put them on the monitor. Yeah. You want to get an O2 stat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to treat this patient as they had compromised airway. Yeah. They had compromised uh, circulation to the brain. Like you said, anoxic brain in- injury. Mm-hmm. Think along those lines. That's what we would like EMS to do. And that's and, a way better way to put it. Yeah. And and so, to tell the patient this is this is a significant emergency. Yeah. You know, if if you can't make them understand that not only your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, mm-hmm. your your swallowing, all of that was impacted, your brain yeah. was basically starred for a period of time. Yeah. To to super simplify this down in my mind, the way everything you've said I just think of stroke. I think of like, all right, hey, so if I can explain to somebody, well, you were strangled, that could be a stroke. And you just right. kind of pitch it that way mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, I want to make sure you're not having a stroke, whether, and you can explain different kinds of strokes and all kinds of things right. to the patient. But same thing as far as assessment. If we're sitting there looking for petechia, I just know when you're doing your, uh, getting them to stick their tongue out, make sure they don't have facial droop, all those little things. Right. If you say, hey, look, I'm looking for petechia, you're looking for, you know, in case they did have something a clot too, but think more, hey, what are those subtle things that are different? Where they have particular showing out? Is there any kind of bruising? Do they have anything where they got hit in their face? Is there any mm-hmm. kind of trauma you can see underneath everything? Again, ongoing abuse is one. Right. When I think of strangulation, again, I think of that tiered system of, hey, this is not the first time usually. Right. It's like the second or third Yeah. Or beyond that. And so are there other signs, hey, this person really needs to get out of there. We really need to get them to the hospital. Get, again, even that more detailed assessment than I can do in the back of an ambulance. Right. Exactly. And another thing that we don't realize is that petechiae on the surface of the skin, fluorid petechiae, which a lot of petechiae, mm. looks like a rash. Yeah. yeah. So if you have someone and their face is a little discolored, mm-hmm. it's okay, is this your normal? Let me right. get a mirror. Are you hold up your phone? Yeah. Is this what your face normally looks like? Um, now, obviously, if they've been, and this is what I hear, well, what if they've been crying? Yes, if they've been crying, you're going to have that red face, you're going to have the red eyes. But you and you, you may have the hoarseness. You, yeah. you want to assess all of that and ask, well, when did you start crying? Yeah. yeah. You know, so it, it's a lot of it is timing. 
Um, and you also, you know, like I said earlier, you wanted, what were you experiencing? How did that? Mm-hmm. And I like open-ended questions. Tell me about what your ears were doing. Yeah. Um, I want to circle something back to you with the stroke. Um, so what we know about the structures of the neck, which is, you know, we primarily with strangulation thing, the jugular veins and the carotid arteries. It's a little bit easier to partially or completely occlude the jugular veins. So if you've got deoxygenated blood putting pressure against those vessels, then you've got this 20, 30-something year old that let's say two or three weeks or maybe a month or so later comes into the ED Mm -hmm. with um, hemorrhagic stroke. Why? Yeah. Why do we have yeah. this happening? Or they come in with ischemic stroke symptoms. Yeah. Why do you? Why do we have this happening? You know, when you let that blood sit there and put pressure yeah. against the vessels, or sit there and clot, there's going to be implications after yeah. that. Especially if you had, like, again, to me, what spooks me more than anything else is you had something underlying, and you didn't know it. So right. you had some kind of weird venous fistula or subarach, you know, what's any any one of those little things you could pop up and have an aneurysm somewhere. Right. Just this one incident could throw you over the edge. Exactly. Again, it may be something slow like a subdural and you get a CT scan back. Hey, I've had ongoing headaches for two or three weeks. I was involved in a domestic incident. And that's all the patient tells you. Yeah. Hey, I was involved in something two mm-hmm. weeks ago. And you get back and you look at this chronic subdural and you can see where it's like, this has been going on for two weeks. Like this is something... Hey, it was because of that strangulation injury. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and we've had one of the the things that we know long-term effects following victims of strangulation is that victims that have been in a relationship where that was a part of the abuse Mm -hmm. have, they get diagnosed with atypical migraine. And I thought, how many people yeah. have that atypical migraine where yeah. it almost presents like a TIA? Yeah. So you get the, the migraine, the headache, yeah. and then you get the numbness or weakness. Um, Paul and I did a same course, sexual assault nurse examiner course in Tupelo. And one of the nurse practitioners came up to us afterwards mm-hmm. and she said, I was in a domestic violence marriage. I got out when I was in nursing school. I developed what my doctor called atypical migraines. Mm-hmm. I blamed it on nurse practitioner school and had never had an MRI done. And we're like, okay, well, you need to go back and have an MRI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, you know. Let's schedule that next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone gets you the imaging. But all things, even if EMS is not there at the initial, I mean, these are all things that if you have this, this young person with these crazy neuro symptoms that we do not typically see. Right. It's something that they need to think about. Exactly. That, you know, and maybe prompt those questions and ask. Yeah. Um, I think it is our responsibility to probably push these patients because we've seen enough of them that don't want to tell you anything. Right. You know, to push these patients and be like, look, this, you know, you're very young. This is highly unlikely. You know, what's going on? Right. You know, is somebody doing something that we need to know about yeah. and can help you with? And just, just to add on to that, just like anything in medicine, it's a trend, right? Mm-hmm. So like that initial, you, you build that rapport with the patient on the side of the road or on the side of whatever highway you're on today. And you say, hey, look, I really care about you. I want to get you seen about if you can relay when you're transitioning to an ER, local ER, level one trauma center, it doesn't matter. Hey, this is what I found. And they say, hey, well, now they're starting to develop picking hoarseness out of the bucket, but develop this symptom or, mm-hmm. hey, particular and I put more pronounced. They were initially on the bottom part of their lip. Now they're on the top. And this, you start to see those. OK, hey, look, this is truly a strangulation injury. The documentation needs to be appropriate for from a legal side of the street. Mm-hmm. But, hey, I also need to make sure. Nothing's happening to this patient. Let's make sure we scan them now, and then we're going to scan them again in eight hours and make sure nothing's changed. You know, like that kind of yeah, yeah. trending the patient to say, hey, look, we're going to watch out for you because it's, it's not an acute, benign thing when you right. get Right, right. Yeah. 
And, and it's recommended that this patient has a what we call the 23-hour OBS admit. Yeah. You know, we don't, and I say that for insurance purposes because we don't want them to have a full hospital admit. <laughs> right. right. Um, but that is the recommendation that this patient is monitored like a head injury. Mm-hmm. You know, and we would do that with a concussion. We're going to keep that patient in, observe yep. them, do with the neurovascular checks. That's what's recommended for strangulation patients. Yeah. And a CTA to look at that blood supply. So... Random question. So we're back on the scene. EMS is there. Is it worth them measuring? Because every time we think about swelling mm-hmm. in our careers, measure, measure, right? Exactly. It is worth it to measure. Okay. Um, and I reference an, an article that I read. And if I can find it, I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, but it was a, a law enforcement officer that had done really aggressive education with his frontline patrol. Um, and there was a, a, a situation and the victim, she was seen at the scene emergently mm-hmm. and this investigator said frontline patrol said if they won't come in and get seen could you at least measure their neck and her neck was measured at the scene she refused mm-hmm. ems transport uh the investigator reached back out got her to come in two or three days later mm-hmm. he measured her neck and it was larger so there was swelling and she didn't even realize it um but she said quote unquote everything hurts right mm-hmm. so and, and and being i mean i'm I'm assuming being in domestic violence situation, it, it makes your whole body hurt mm-hmm. regardless of the physical blows. And, um, but yeah, he captured that her neck was significantly larger yeah. because of edema, uh, that from the scene. So that'd be awesome if we could get that measurement. Yeah, that would be, I mean, something we can think about doing when we get yeah. those odd cases. But so me, I'm thinking in my head, if it, you, if you're going to see strangulation, you're probably usually going to see some, then punching, that kind of thing. Can you just see strangulation? Is it always strangulation with sexual assault or physical or? It isn't. Um, there, it isn't always strangulation with sexual assault. Um, it can be. Okay. It isn't always strangulation with domestic violence, mm-hmm. but it can be. Um, and it can be just isolated strangulation as that part of control. Keeping in mind that sexual assault, domestic violence, those are crimes of power and control. Mm-hmm. Where you have a perpetrator saying, I'm going to control you by these means. Yeah. Um, so if the perpetrator realizes, <clears throat> excuse me, that I don't leave marks right. when I put hands on the other person's neck or I sit on their chest or I put them in a chokehold. But when I hit them, I leave marks. Then yeah. what are you going to do? You yeah, know? that's, yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah, that's, mm, I don't know, it's sad. And it's it's sad that this is something we're just now, I mean, I've been a nurse for 20 years, and this is something I would have never thought to pick up on any of it unless they were bruised, right. they were swollen, they had passed out, you know, those kinds of things. So even, you know, some kids that I've seen come in, you know, trying to strangle themselves. Right. You know, not for purposes of killing themselves, but, you know, you see that. And I think we take that a little more seriously because you found them with something around their neck, you know, versus someone who says, I've been, you know, I've been strangled. Um, I don't think we take it as serious. Or the choking game or choke holes (laughs) or anything that, you know, makes what used to be TikTok or YouTube now is TikTok. Right. Anything that gets a lot of hits, we're going to keep, replicating it Mm -hmm. for that um you know we want that attention so our young people that's what we want to pay attention to and ask those questions you know it could be that this is what they're seeing in that Mm -hmm. media format yes and doing that sad i'm glad you brought that up i remember that coming through pzr a couple years ago and it was a oh it was a trend yeah we're gonna see how long you can last in a chokehold right these kids and like two or three of them like Hey, you're just about yourself a pick you stay like something you're acting off you know you got a gcs 13 14 something's not chilling you're not coming right back to baseline 
Yeah. I don't think it ended up being anything long-term effects, but it was one of those, all right, well, it's... But do we know what the long... Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. We don't know. I have a, a one of the videos I show in a training is a, a method of the choking game. And um, there's some females that are up against a brick wall and these males, and there's a, there's a group of kids around, but the, the males will get the, the females to take some deep breaths mm-hmm. and then lean into their chest. There's no hands on the neck. Yeah. They're just leaning into the chest. One of the girls, her, her eyes roll back. She actively seizes as she's falling down and she hits the ground, continues to seize for maybe a second or two mm-hmm. and then stops. Um, the video cuts off. And when it was on YouTube, you could hear, Somebody say, oh, my goodness, she, and used yeah. the term for urinated yeah. on herself. Um, and, and it was really scary because to me, it was like she came so close to becoming right. an instant fatality. Yeah. The same amount of pressure, or it looked like the timing, mm-hmm. both girls had the same amount of pressure. The other girl didn't have those experiences. Yeah. Which makes you wonder, does she have something pre-existing yeah. that yeah. she didn't even know about? Right. So what's the trigger? So they get to the emergency room. What's the trigger to admit them for that observation? That they say that that was their experience. If they say that, you know, hey, this is, um, you know, I was in this situation mm-hmm. and I was choked. Uh, I, you know, I, we want to clarify. Tell me what that means to you. Right. Tell me what your experiences were. And we're getting the patient describing the hands, pressure to the neck, um, and you want to ask for those, what they experience, sensations, mm-hmm. signs, symptoms. But if they say that I was choked or that was their experience, that ought to qualify them. Uh, because we don't know how it's going right. to present later. Yeah. Um, I go back, and of course, you know me from way back in the ER. I worked in the ER for 18 years, and I wonder how many patients we absolutely missed. Yes. Um, but I got called when we had the on-call program to a sexual assault patient. That was She came in EMS from a hotel, um, so she wasn't familiar with our area. Mm-hmm. And her, her memory was there was a knock at the door. My next memory is I'm waking up on the floor oh. and I, my genitalia was hurting. Yeah. So that was all that was presented. Yeah. But the triage nurse that night called me when they got her in and it took about 30 to 40 minutes for me to get there. And when we walked in the door together, the triage nurse had put her in a room mm-hmm. and not gone back. Mm-hmm. And when we went back in the room together, the triage nurse said, well, she didn't look like that when I put mm-hmm. her in here. And in that time frame. She had so much petechia, her face looked purple. Wow. Um, and that's the picture, orientation picture I have of her. If, it, if you didn't look up close at that image, mm-hmm. she just looks like her face is purple. purple. Yeah. like Almost like a really bad Roatia type yeah. presentation. Yeah. And um, it was uh, just floor petechia. It was everywhere. And it was all, and, and what you'll see with petechia is it's above where the pressure is. Okay. So there was almost like a demarcation a, of, of her neck. Pretty standard line. The ones I've yeah. seen, it's like almost a fine line. Yeah. Okay, this is exactly where it starts and this is where it goes up. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but it, it's a great case study I present because it's in her hair, it's in her ears. Yeah. Um, and you places you wouldn't think to look in her nose. Um, she had a subconjunctival hemorrhage, which is the smear of blood and yeah. the sclera of the eye, mm-hmm. um, which I had a patient once describe that she didn't get medical care, but she said it looked like somebody took a red magic marker and colored my eye. Yep. And I thought that's a great description yeah. and something that non-medical. So, you know. Our law enforcement that, you know, they may be like, what y'all do is gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to know medical stuff. 
Does it look like a magic marker? Right. Yeah, that's a good way to describe yeah. it. Does it look? Does it, everything look normal? You shine a say, hey, look, can you read this for me? Can you read it normal? Does the, the yeah. words look fine? Yeah. Or blurry? Are they colored a little bit different? What color is that to you? I mean, you see two of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So is there any special like CAT scans or x-rays or anything that... Yeah, you want to do a CTA because okay. you want to look at those vessels. And, and neck you, and yeah. brain. Well, it, it's the neck, mainly neck, the, sure. the neck. Um, and so you want to do that. It's funny, uh, a lot of hospitals will do C-spine x-rays. Yep. Well, that's a bony prominence. It's pretty hard. <laughs> that's not going to show a whole lot. Yeah. Um, if we could get colorized MRI emergently, yeah. and, and of course, you know, that's yeah. my unicorn goal here. Um <laughs> But if we could get that, that would be awesome yeah. and probably show. Um, I forget what state did a study, mm-hmm. and they said, yeah, they picked up a lot of findings doing emergent colorized MRI, and that state, the hospital went, yeah, no, we're not paying for that. No. So um, it went nowhere after the study. <laughs> That's too expensive. Well, it's, it's hard enough to get it on a brachial plexus injury. That yeah. Everybody like, is concerned, all right, this is it. And I'm like, I'm sitting here going. Man, I'm with her 100%, but they yeah, that, there's not going to happen. Ain't so, nobody yeah. go with that. You know, in, in my world of unicorns and rainbows, that's, yeah. that's what we're going to do. But we'll take what we can get. So what are the typical injuries that come from that? the typical, you know, to the trachea, to the, to those neck structures that you're going to see? Typically, we see vessel, you know, obstruction. So, or we see um, vessel, vessel injury. So, we see the petechia. We mm-hmm. see, you know, if, 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 a big if, if we see findings at all. Primarily, what we mainly see are symptoms that the patient experienced is an interruption in the vision. Like you were saying, that's a great example. Can you read this? And how does it look? Mm-hmm. And then going forward, how's your vision afterwards? Yeah. You know, how long did it take it to recover? Does it is it going back and forth? What about your hearing? Um, it, now, do you have ringing in the ears? You used to not have ringing in the ears. Um, yeah. Is are your hearing less in one ear than the other? Something along those lines. What about the sensation? on your face mm-hmm. does one side tingle a little is it numb does your mouth work equally yeah. is it you know like it used to when you swallow do you now feel like okay i'm kind of gagging and choking and i mm-hmm. used to not my tongue used to work better um when we see you know airway for trachea injuries if we see sub-Q emphysema, yeah. that's a horrible uh, sign. That patient, the only time I've ever seen it was in a fatality or the patient became a fatality. Mm-hmm. But that can be a late sign. Um, uh, one of the nurses at Rush, I'm going to call her name Elizabeth, um, she had a strangulation patient that had an esophageal tear. Didn't realize it. Um, she was had gotten her medical providers to do the, the CTs and they picked it up on CT. She was pregnant. And uh, so they admitted her, but she ended up losing the uh, pregnancy. That's another thing that can happen. When you interrupt the blood supply, you interrupt the blood supply to the baby. Stress on the fetus every day of the week. Yeah, exactly. So this patient, if they're pregnant, they're at a higher risk for uh, losing that pregnancy too. And esophageal, those are not readily identified. No. You know, those can go on for a little while. Exactly. Without anybody knowing what's going on. And this was not, and and probably if this patient had not come in, Mm -hmm. she would have had some discomfort um, and never really, it was a small tear, but it was still a tear nonetheless. Yeah. And what you say she's pregnant. The first thing I think of is esophageal tear, pregnancy, this is going to perf, this is not going to go bad when she actually does deliver. Right. Yeah. Or if she gets preeclamptic and seizes. Yeah. 
the esophageal tear just went wide open. I mean, yeah, exactly. all the horror stories in my head go like, this is ugly. So, it was, and, and you're thinking like forensics, the potential for lethality. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have changed how we look at strangulation now. Makes perfect sense. I know. And so, what of the people that come forward and say this is what's going on, how many of them are immediate versus that delayed? And it just kind of comes out in that delayed. We really don't know because okay. there's no way to capture that yeah. as far as our literature and the research. Um, but what we see presenting to the hospital is kind of interesting. We see it pretty, they'll come in acutely, yeah. delayed, they're going to come in for something else. Yeah, and that's, you know, selfishly, that's kind of what I want to learn mm-hmm. about for sure. All of this is great, but, you know, we're going to pick them up on the helicopter when things have gone way south. Right. So what would what would lead us to other than, you know, they're very young. This is odd to have a stroke. Mm-hmm. You know, that that one might trigger me now. But what else would I not think of that I, I might go pick them up because they're that septic or they're that, you know, they do have a tracheal tear. Right. Well, I, I, it goes back to, I call it intake nursing or triage <laughs> nursing, is the safety screening. Yeah. You know, what is their safety like in their environment? Mm. That's a big indicator of whether or not they've been a victim of strangulation. Yeah. And like you said, people aren't very, you know, forthcoming with, yeah. I've been strangled or I've been choked. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you about physically being, or, or they'll downplay it. They're like, well, our arguments are bad <laughs> and they right. escalate a little bit or, you know, COVID, we've been out of work yeah. and, you know, We're right in the now, same house for two years. Yeah, yeah exactly. We've got a yeah. bunch of little kids, you know, you know, you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Um, and, and so they will downplay that, but we have to ask those really important mm-hmm. questions, specific questions about safety. Has anyone ever put their mm-hmm. hands on their neck or kept you, made you feel like you couldn't catch a deep breath or put pressure on your neck or chest so that you passed out or almost passed out um, because victims of strangulation yeah. downplay that. Yeah. So until we start asking those specific mm-hmm. safety questions, we are going to miss it. Yeah. Do you feel safe in your house? Yes, I did not get hit by the tornadoes <laughs> last week, so I was safe. <laughs> You've got to narrow it down to that interpersonal re- yeah. Um, yeah. relationship and what that looks like to that individual. And I'm going to throw this out there, too, because I feel like we're using our pronouns a lot. She is victim. He is perpetrator. Yeah. And our males or yeah. people that identify as males, um, they can absolutely be victims of strangulation and interpersonal violence. I feel as well. like they would be less likely Probably to so. come and be honest yeah. and or even call 911 from the get go. Right. Versus coming and being honest about what led them to the emergency room. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, a female can put, put a male in a chokehold, a female can put hands on the neck. Um, all yeah. of that can happen. Another thing, you were talking about what to look for at the scene. Um, defensive injuries, mm-hmm. um, they can be on the victim uh, because if there's something on the neck, then the victim is going to try to get that uh, off. Yeah, I didn't and, think about that. Yeah, so, so you may see scratches yeah. on the victim and you want to look at their fingernails, okay? Yeah. Tell me how you got these scratches on yeah. your neck. Um, you want to look underneath the chin. You also, you know, for law enforcement, look at the other person in the household mm-hmm. and do you see scratches on their arms, on their face? Do mm-hmm. you see bite marks? marks on their arms yeah. um, because those are what we call defensive injuries and we can see defensive injuries on the victim yeah i never thought about that because if something is around my neck i'm going to be sitting here pulling right. at it and trying right. to get it off and it's instinctively to tilt that chin down it is. and so you want to especially look underneath that chin yeah i didn't think about that so 
I'm, you know, it's kind of sad as long as I've been in nursing. There's no telling how many that I've just missed. Oh, yeah, me too. And um, and something that I know that you and I really didn't talk about ahead of time is we're seeing that we're recognizing this more in pediatric mm-hmm. abuse and child abuse oh. um, because a child presenting to a medical facility or an emergency room, sudden onset of asthma that we don't really have a medical reason for asthma, um, you know, coughing up, sore throat, yeah. and all the structures inside. We don't see, ton- you know, huge yeah. tonsils or strep, uh, a rash that can also be petechia that yeah. we've just said, oh, that's just a generalized yeah, react, even- you know, reaction or rash. So we're missing that. I was going to say URI with a rash automatically to me i'm like hey is there something else going on here this is right not, this doesn't add up yeah, cause the yeah. abuser is definitely not going to tell you and, and the child may not see that as abnormal right if that's all they've that's known all they've known yeah you know that's normal so it's not something that's gonna they're gonna come yeah. forward with and think it's a big deal to tell you or, or children and I'm, I'm quoting a case study not my own sadly i can tell you that i i do not have a patient that i knew was a pediatric strangulation because I didn't recognize it, um, oh. but a peer in Colorado uses a case study, and some of the language that the children would say were, you know, as part of the punishment, um, he makes he puts his hands on my neck or his arm on my neck, and then I go to sleep really fast. Oh, and and the child's eyes to the mm-hmm. point of passing out. And that's so, normal. So yeah. that's not exactly that's part of the punishment. So you said so new onset asthma. Yeah, I mean, when you've got this sudden, for no reason, you've yeah. got this asthma attack, this spontaneous okay. asthma attack. Why are we having this wheezing? You know, when you Hard to catch your breath or rapidly. Yeah. They're trying yeah. to catch back from the hypoxic episode. Yeah, yeah and, makes... and I'm just looking at the pediatric patients that we came in and went, up. Oh, looks yeah. like a sudden and asthma, asthma attack. Exactly. And like, now, looking back, we're like, wow, was that a yeah. pediatric strangulation presentation? Yeah, because yeah. we're, we're thinking straight. I mean, it walks, yeah. talks, and looks like asthma. So, yeah. you know. And, and if, I know EDs are so busy, especially PEDS ED mm-hmm. right now, because you're seeing everything mm-hmm. and, you know, everything's opening up. So we're getting more social. Um, but I can just remember when I took the pediatric SANE course and mm-hmm. Dr. Bob Block, who was a former chair of the Academy of Pediatrics or uh, the Fellowship of Pediatrics, um, what instilled in me was every pediatric patient that presents to an um, emergency department, they need to be completely undressed and they need a complete head to toe assessment. And you need to be looking, not, mm-hmm. you know, they said they come in with a sore throat, get them undressed, take a look at them. And yeah. we don't do that. We don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or get them in, get them out. But that's what we're missing. Yeah, we don't. I've worked with one physician that did that, um, Dr. Stoddard. I love him. Um, but everybody had to be naked. Yeah. And he did a true head to toe. It did not matter. Yeah. Um, but I just haven't even, I mean, so it's just, it's mind blowing. I know my eyes will definitely open more to things, you know, when I see them that never was before, you know, right. you just accept, okay, this is a young person that's had a stroke. Like we really don't know why, but right. this is sad that it happened, but okay, let's treat it. But you, if you don't ask those questions, you're potentially sending that person back home exactly and now they have had a stroke now they can't take care of themselves and you're sending them right back yeah and patients with disabilities they are more vulnerable to being victimized and pregnant patients are more vulnerable to being victimized all the stress that goes along with that so if you've got ems 
you know, frontline patrol law enforcement, and that is the patient. This person already has a disability. Mm -hmm. And when I say disability, I'm not just talking about physical. I'm talking about cognitive, mental disability. If they're pregnant, that's they're at very high risk during that time frame. Um, there's infants in the house or there's children in the house with special needs. Mm-hmm. All of these are big triggers and those patients are more or the people in those populations are more at risk. Yeah. So I really just feel like, I mean, we need to ask the questions from the get go, but it's going to start with law enforcement, you know, and then EMS and then you know, hopefully getting emergency rooms educated where you keep them in for that observation. Right. You get that CTA. Yeah. You know, and then most of the time when we're going to see them, they're going to be that delayed, that they're really going downhill, but putting together those puzzle pieces where, okay, this is odd. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, man, pediatrics with asthma attacks, that would be a big one we would go to. Yeah. You know, and I just, I would have never even considered. Yeah. Do they have a history of asthma? Sudden well, onset 10-year-old boy does not... Right. And he's like, all right, mm, okay, yeah, it's possible to have sudden onset, but something, something's fishy. Yeah. I'm already thinking off the top of my head, what do they get? Usually, the, my thing is like, did they huff something? Did they try See, that's something? That's my thing, too. They, yeah. You know, like, I mean, those are all the, because yeah. those usual suspects, but yeah. at the same time, hey, well, he was wrestling his buddy, and all of a sudden, he's now has a asthma attack. Mm-hmm. Wrestling his buddy, did buddy put him a chuckle? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's those kinda, little, yeah, how do, how do we go with it? Yeah, that's where you want to uh, get, get the kid away from the parent. Tell me, when when you get in trouble, mm-hmm. what does punishment look like in your household? Tell me about yeah. that. And ask that open-ended question so that they can tell you in their own words. Like the little yeah. kid that said, yeah. Daddy puts his arm around me and then I go to sleep real fast. That's, yes. well, yeah, that's a great, mm-hmm. great history right there. That's crazy. It's crazy. Well, thank you for coming today. Thank this you for having awesome. me. Yeah. Is there anything we missed? I know I picked your brain, but. um, I mean. I can't think of anything. Uh, I think as far as what I would call emergent response or, you know, pre-hospital response, especially, um, we're available for education. I'm not the only person that trains on this. So, if you know, I can find somebody if I'm not available. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we, we want for law enforcement, especially, we can help you by educating the prosecutors. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, talking about forensic nurses, there's mm-hmm. a, a, several of us around. Um, let us help you with that case. Let mm-hmm. us come in and do education. Call us. You know, as I say, my phone is available 24-7. <laughs> if I'm doing things like a podcast, you know, then I may not answer it immediately. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but as soon as the recording's over, I'll definitely respond and yeah. see what I can do to help you out. Um, but the big thing is ask those questions. Don't be scared to ask yeah. the questions. Yeah. And when you pull and, and and there have been times where... Um, for lack of a better word, the victim was arrested because that was the one that was so excited, making the most noise, so agitated. Um, And one deputy that he, he, this is years and years and years ago, he he got into a little bit of trouble with his leadership. And when he was talking to me about it, he goes, I feel really bad. I put her in jail. And I'm like, wait, you did keep her safe for the weekend. You know, there you go. (laughs) She was was screaming for help, but you you did keep her out of that place (laughs) for a minute. Like, I mean, I was like, um, so if if that helps you sleep better at night, she was safe (laughs) for the weekend. That's true. Uh, But don't, it's not always what you think when you show up, you know, separate them ask those questions you know as i tell law enforcement you know way better how to do your job yeah. than i'll ever do it and i'm, I'm not worthy um so, yeah i'm definitely not but yeah. it's, it's not i could see where people would not just be forthcoming with everything no no it's, it's embarrassing it is it's, embar- and they don't realize how severe it is they don't 
yeah, how dangerous it is. Yeah. I mean, and to me, I know you said it to me when we were talking the other day, I would just be happy that I lived. Yeah. So I, I would feel like I was on the other end of whatever happened yeah. to me and everything was going to be fine. Yeah. And if this is an escalation and you've seen this escalation, you may go, well, he's going to calm down. Yeah. He's, he's or, or she's going to calm down. This will be fine in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Where I don't want to go anywhere. This is okay. Yeah. 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 And I it's can not, see that. Yeah. Thank you for coming today. I learned a lot. Oh, good. So uh, it's a pretty awesome experience. I'm glad we get to share it with everybody else, too. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This has been a presentation of Blue Crew Medicine.